so now we're going to be talking about how to train your dragon 2 the sequel that was released when was it released as june 13th 2014 june 13th 2014 yeah i think we said four years after the first one was released yeah just over four years yeah so just a little bit on the behind the scenes the uh dreamworks approved a sequel i think just about one month after the first movie came out and later that year, in 2010, mm-hmm. they announced they were came they were going to do sequels to sequels to How to Train Your Dragon, along with their other franchises like Kung Fu Panda and Madagascar. Right. And actually, you were, you mentioned to me uh, last time as that that you you were making a comparison between the heroes of those other DreamWork franchises, the specifically Kung Fu Panda. You mentioned only How to Train Your Dragon's an outcast story, but. Kung Fu Panda's an, un- an underdog story. Yeah, so how how are they similar, though? The culture, though, similar. Right. Different cultures, but similar. Right, yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting thing, is that DreamWorks seems, they seem to have done this series of movies where they, they take some existing culture in the world and transform that into this sort of fantastical world. So yeah. in the case of How to Train Your Dragon, it was the Vikings... With Kung Fu Panda, it was more ancient China, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah. Ancient China. And yeah, so it's interesting that they had that series of films that with that kind of similarities. They do involve the heroes finding their long-lost parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just some interesting behind-the-scenes info about it. Um, They approved the sequel, but Dean DeBlois... Um, who came back to write and direct the sequel. Um, Chris Sanders, I think, was working on a different project at the time. Dean DeBlois required that if they make a sequel, that he wanted to make it a trilogy. So they had to confirm that there would be two, basically a third movie as well. Um, And it seems a lot of his inspiration for that is that he wanted to make this sort of similar trilogy arc to Star Wars. So he said in a lot of interviews how um, one of his biggest inspirations for the second movie was what is widely considered one of the greatest sequels, if not the greatest sequel ever, Empire Strikes Back. I know, Ezra, that you are a big fan of sequels. You, yeah. Yeah, you typically like sequels. How? Why is that? Because they add things the first didn't have. Right, like what? Go beyond the world of the first. Lots of new characters. Mm-hmm. Also, at the at the time though, um, Chris Sanders was busy directing another DreamWorks film, The Crudes. Right. To me, I thought The Crudes was a bit like How to Train Your Dragon, but with but about prehistory, like prehistoric creatures and cavemen, rather than dra- dragons and Vikings. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. That how he moved on to a project that was very similar. And and it just makes sense because, you know, as we talked earlier, how both of these directors came from Lilo and Stitch and how the similarities between Lilo and Stitch and How to Train Your Dragon. So, yeah, so you're a big fan of sequels. Um, I think I'm more like other people who are generally mixed about sequels, but I both think, I think we can both agree that How to Train Your Dragon 2 was definitely, you know, it definitely improved on, on the first um, yeah. And you mentioned how how sequels generally expands the world and and actually that's that's the opening of this film. So the film opens with the race 
Vikings and dragons are friends and they have dragon races now. Right. They're having this race that's kind of like a combination of, it feels like Quidditch in a way because they, they have to catch these sheep. Kind of like Quidditch and Harry Potter. Right, exactly. They have to catch these sheep and then throw them into a basket and that's how they get points Yeah. in the race. And then there's laps, but it also has that similar kind of foil at the end where the last sheep, which is a black sheep, kind of like the snitch, it's way... It's it's worth way more points than all the other sheep. Um, so people who are in last place still have a chance with the last one. So that's a it's a fun, exciting opening. But Hiccup and Toothless aren't at the race. In fact, they are traveling to some other island. And this is one of my favorite little moments from the film. We see Hiccup pull out a map that he's been making of the world. And it, and it really, to me, just signified the ambition of the film and just how the film was going to grow and expand, you know, on this world. Because we're not... The, the thing about the last film is that there were basically just two locations. There was Burke and the Dragon's Nest. Yeah. Um, in this movie, in addition to Burke, there's also... There's that where Hiccup's mother was discovered. Right, right. That, like, ice fortress place yeah and then then there was the where drago bloodvist uh-huh where you was plotting on killing all dragons right uh, but you just really get a, a better sense of just how big this world is and the the dragon riders learned that there are you know not only are there other dragon riders but there's also these different factions that have very different <sighs> points of view on dragons. Dra- Drago uh, Bloodfist is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, maybe we can talk about the new characters in this in this movie. Because for the most part, it's the same cast. But there are, at least what I can think of off the top of my head, there are three new characters. Yeah. Can you share what, what characters? Like Eret, son of Eret. Mm-hmm. Also, Volka and the new villain. Right, the new villain, Drago, who's a... Uh, or Drago? Yeah, Drago. Drago. Bloodvist, yeah. who's a ruthless dragon kidnapper. Right, yeah. And he, he um it's interesting because he he's he's kind of a contrast to Hiccup, right? Because mm-hmm. Hiccup is all about earning the dragon's trust. Mm. Um Drago is all about controlling dragons and definitely against their will. And that's where there's also introduced these alpha dragons. We see two alpha dragons in this film and it's suggested that, or not suggested, it's it's shown that they have the ability to control smaller dragons. Yeah. Right? So that, I think that was a nice little, um, nice little contrast uh-huh. Um, between the protagonists of Hiccup and the villain of, of Drago, these are two competing point of views, right? Yeah, one, yeah, like, he's the one who knows good things about dragons, and Drago's is the one who makes dragons do bad things under his control. Right, exactly. And, and in fact, when Hiccup learns about this, this operation that's going on, where there are these people catching dragons and using dragons. His first idea is actually to go to Drago and talk to him and try to convince him, no, that's that's wrong. You can't, you, dragons can be our friends. They can be our companions. But, yeah, I know, and Drago is just very evil and ruthless. Right. I know that when Toothless was put under Drago's control, 
Hiccup's father was killed. Right. Yeah. And definitely, I definitely want to talk about that because that's a really, that's a really dramatic and really and sad I, moment. I thought it was very similar to, it re- reminded me of Mufasa's death in The Lion King. Yeah. It is very similar. You know, sort of death of this father figure. And they both, and, and sort of one plot line throughout the film is that <sighs> Stoic wants Hiccup to take over as chieftain of, of yeah. Burke, right? And Hiccup does take over as the chief after avenging his father's death. Right. And he defeats Drago. Right. And Drago at the end gets killed. Right, yeah. But at first, Hiccup is hesitant about taking over as chieftain, right? Yeah, like, yeah, at first he doesn't he doesn't really at first want to become chief. Right. But then he becomes chief at the end after he defeats Drago. Right. And he takes over as the chief after avenging his father's right. tragic death. Well, do you know, do you remember why... Hiccup doesn't feel like he's ready to be, uh, or doesn't want to be the chief. I don't know why. There, there's a couple of things. So one of them is that he doesn't feel like he's ready. He doesn't feel like he's learned enough, or he's strong enough, or or just ready to be a leader. Yeah. And that's sort of something he discovers throughout the film is that, in fact, actually he is he is ready to be a leader. He's he has been leading. It's just that. You know, Stoke has always been there, and it's and that's always the tough thing. And that and I think your comparison to the Lion King is really poignant because I think Simba, in a lot of ways, feels the same way. Like Mufasa is just this larger than life figure in his life, right? Yeah. And 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 Stoke is the like Stoke is literally larger than life. And He's I, just this huge guy. To me, Drago is kind of like Scar. Right. Drago is like Scar, and they and we do see that that Drago and Stoke have a past. And Drago has been considered conniving and and ruthless since, really, since the beginning. Yeah, so, you know, Hiccup is forced to pick up the mantle as chieftain and, and, or as chief of Burke and and save Burke in the end. But before we get there, we meet Eric, how you pronounce his name? Eric. Eric? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And who's voiced by Kit Harrington. Yeah. Also known as Jon Snow. Uh-huh. Um, and so we get introduced to this sort of new faction and this new philosophy and point of view about dragons. And at the same time, we learn that there is a, another dragon rider. A mysterious dragon rider who we run into later when Hiccup is trying to find Drago. Yeah. Hiccup gets basically taken by a bunch of dragons that are controlled by this dragon rider, or led by this dragon rider, and he gets taken back to the Ice Fortress. Where he discovers his long-lost mother. Right. He discovers that uh, the dragon rider is, in fact, his mom. Yeah. Right. And she's been protecting dragons. Right. Yeah, and in fact, we learned that she she's kind of a hippie. Um, she's been what she's been doing. She's been fighting Drago this entire time and freeing dragons from Drago that Drago has captured. Yeah, um, and it was and Hiccup lost his mother when he was a baby. Right. Yeah. Hiccup doesn't even remember her. Um, and we see there's a, a brief flashback later because. Even before when she was at Burke, she kind of like uh, Hiccup was saying that we shouldn't be killing dragons. You know, she's saying that to the people of Burke. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then she got separated and then Hiccup and his father got reunited with her years later. Right, right. 
yeah, we see all three of them get reunited. So this fam- the family gets reunited, and it's yeah, it's kind of this sort of really really satisfying sort of emotional scene of them all coming back together. Her Valka is concerned that Stoic still believes that dragons are the enemy. Right to me, Stoic and Valka kind of look like um like King Fergus and Queen Eleanor from Brave because I thought Brave has similar. Theme to the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Like what kind of themes? How it's medieval and it's during the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And some of the characters speak in Scottish accents in How right. to Train Your Dragon. Right. And Merida's from Brave it has several similar character traits to Hiccup. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is a lot of similarities between the two. Even though they're made by different uh, studios. studios. they And they're also very Lord of the Rings and Hobbit-like. Right, the same kind of feeling as those films. Yeah. I just want to say that I appre- the thing I appreciate about Gerard Butler, who is the voice of Stoic, as we said, mm-hmm. um, the thing I appreciate about him is that no matter what role he's doing, he's he, he doesn't bother changing his accent. So if he plays a Viking, he's got a Scottish accent. He plays the Phantom of the Opera, Scottish accent. He plays a Spartan from Greece, Scottish accent. He he's plays... a good. Is he a legendary actor? <laughs> he's a he's a he's a pretty big name, but I just appreciate that he doesn't really care to change his accent. He's just like he just speaks with his Scottish accent, no matter what kind of character he's playing. But anyway, so it's actually funny that you mentioned Lord of the Rings because Kate Blanchett plays Valka in this, and obviously Kate Blanchett was in Lord of the Rings. She played Galadriel, so there's there's another parallel there. And also Gobber from these movies is voiced by Craig Ferguson. He voiced Lord Macintosh in Brave also. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of overlap with all these films that are kind of this similar vibe. So back to the movie. So the the entire Hiccup family is reunited, and it's a happy scene, but it isn't very happy for long, because... Stoic gets killed. Yes, well, Drago shows up first. Yeah, yeah. He has brought... He, he has an alpha dragon that he has managed to control. With big, like, mammoth-like tusks. Exactly. They're these giant white dragons bigger than any any other dragon we've seen um i think i don't know if they're the same kind of dragon as red death from the no a different kind of dragon okay yeah so they're a different kind of dragon but they're similar size drago brings his alpha and so the alpha dragon at the ice fortress that's the friend of volca and drago's alpha dragon they fight yeah and unfortunately drago's alpha wins and as a result he takes control of all the dragons there yeah including um toothless toothless and then all of the the dragons and hiccups friends dragons mm-hmm. the astrid stormfly who's who's the who's a deadly natter and right. and then a hideous zippleback that for rough nut and tough nut fish mm-hmm. legs a gronkle and snot loud a a monstrous nightmare mm-hmm. and they were all put under drago's control right but then they all fly over to burke with those baby dragons that that Drago did not hypnotize. Right. Hiccup says that baby dragons don't listen to anybody. And you so know, that's why. That's why. Because yeah. they're, ju- they're juvenile dragons nice. that don't listen to anybody. So they fly on them. And then they go back to Bert and Hiccup fights Drago and avenges his father's death. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the scene where where Toothless gets, you know, mind controlled, basically. Leading up to that scene, we see Hiccup trying, having a discussion 
with Draco because Hiccup doesn't want to resolve this through violence. Everyone mm. around him has been saying, you can't reason with Draco. You can't reason with Draco. But yeah. Hiccup is optimistic, right? Mm-hmm. He he believes that, that you can be diplomatic. Yeah. Um, but he finds Draco is just too stubborn to listen and that's actually when we learned a bit about Drago's backstory. So what do we learn about Drago's backstory? Like he lost his arm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we learned that he lost his arm and he also lost his family. And that's why he wanted he was evil and wanted to get his revenge. Right. Yeah. He he does he can't see dragons as anything other than he can't see them as friends. He can't see them as equals. They're as always, dis- dangerous dangerous monsters and beasts. Right. He just sees them as monsters and beasts. And because of that, he believes that the only thing that you can really do with them is to control them and to use them. But you don't control them, you you raise them and train them. Right. That's exactly what Hiccup is trying to say. But Drago doesn't listen. So, But then at the end, Drago meets his demise. Right. So Drago orders his alpha to take control of Toothless and orders Toothless to then attack Hiccup, which at that point... You know, it's terrible to watch. But then Hiccup is brave enough and puts Toothless back to normal dragon self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we see later, you know, Stoic sacrifices himself, st- blocks the, the, the fireball that, that Toothless shoots. And, and then, then he gets killed and then, then they have a funeral right. for him after his tragic death. Right, a traditional like Viking funeral where they put him on a ship, push him out to sea, and then they... Um, yeah, yeah, and and then by the end of the movie, after Hiccup defeats Drago, he's ready and he becomes the Viking chief. Right. And I thought that that old lady that yeah, the lady that I that, thought she was very sim- kind of like Rafiki in the Lion King. Right, the the lady that sort of uh, declares Hiccup to be chieftain. To right. she, me, she's kind of similar to Rafiki in the Lion King, and mm-hmm. to me, she's also similar to the soothsayer goat. To another, from another DreamWorks film, the Kung Fu Panda 2, I thought she was very similar to. Right, yeah. You you always, you, you often see in these movies where there's royalty, you have some kind of character who acts as the, that sort of, that gatekeeper. Like who's wise who's, and, and helpful. Right, we don't see as much as of this old lady as we do Rafiki. Rafiki definitely plays like a larger bit. So we get to the end of the film. We've talked about it a little bit already, but at the end of the film, Drago is invading Burke. And, you know, it is up to Hiccup and the gang to stop him. And so they're all riding their little baby dragons. The dragons that cannot get hypnotized. Exactly. And, you know, they they get away of, of Drago and the Alpha and Hiccup tries to reach out to to Toothless, who has been taken by Drago, and Drago has has made Toothless his dragon. So we have this scene where Hiccup is trying to get through this sort of brainwashing that's happened and yeah. reach the Toothless that he knows and say... And then Hiccup, with all of his bravery, turns Toothless back to normal. Exactly. So that's a, that's a huge moment, and I think it stands as sort of a contrast to, to Drago's idea that dragons are just tools dragons are just meant to be controlled but in that moment hiccup is showing no in fact actually you can appeal to the better side of dragons you can appeal to them as equals as friends yeah but drago's too ruthless to understand that right he's too ruthless so they have that final showdown where toothless challenges uh the alpha for for sort of control and like turning the alpha good 
Well, he doesn't turn the alpha good. He All the dragons, after this challenge has happened, all the dragons join Toothless and they all start attacking the alpha and they defeat the alpha. The alpha is about, it's the, it's almost a, a one-to-one shot from, from yeah. the last movie where the alpha is about to shoot a fireball or, or I guess they shoot ice. Um, and then Toothless, at that moment, shoots. Toothless shoots into the dragon's mouth and it injures the dragon. One of his tusks falls off. Mm-hmm. And the Alpha is defeated and runs away. Yeah, yeah. And Drago gets killed. Right. Drago, yeah. He apparently drowns when the dragon goes under the water. I think he died. Yeah, I think... I'm pretty sure he died. It's interesting because we don't actually see him die. um, But but we just... We just... just, I just... Well, I, I think it's confirmed that he died. Yeah. And so we close the movie... With this, you know, uh, it's, again, a parallel to the... First uh, movie. First movie. At the end. Right. But Hiccup narrates, narrates, and there's a happy ending. Right. And we see the kind of the difference from the first movie. The first movie ends with him saying, like, yeah, we can be friends, and we're working together. And um, the sequel, they already are friends. They already are friends. But it's, and, but it's, and, and just like the first, it's, it, it's also a very happy ending. Right. And, and... <sighs> And he closes, Hiccup closes by saying, we can defend ourselves. We are strong. We are capable. This is something that we believe in and we can defend ourselves. Yes, yes. And they're very brave and strong. Yeah. And Hiccup's now the chief and he's he's ready to be the chief and he is the chief now. And he'll be the chief in the third movie. Yeah. So, and it'll be interesting to see how he grows in the third movie, where the third movie goes from there. Yes, I know. I also know in this one... That other stuff in the How to Train Your Dragon franchise. Mm-hmm. They did a TV show, right. which was on Cartoon Network, which later moved to Netflix. Uh-huh. And then they also, did, also did a live arena show with animatronic dragons. Right. Which, and they also did video games and even an online educational game called School of Dragons. Right. Yeah, they, this franchise really has blown up in a lot of different ways. Um, and it's just obviously really popular. Yeah, it's become one of their most successful films. Mm-hmm. Just to close up on our discussion of the second movie, in what ways was this movie different? It had a human, actual physical human villain. Mm-hmm. It also, the characters are older. Mm-hmm. It's set five years later. Right. And it also um, had more dragons in the first movie. Right. Also, it... Like all sequels or most sequels, it went beyond the world of the first. Right, right. What I'll say I liked about this sequel is that it went darker. It, mm. it was, I felt, a more complex look at this idea of uh, of humans and dragons interacting. Yeah, and living in peace and harmony. Right. Other things that the Dragons franchise got was some animated, some short films, even some holiday Christmas short films and holiday specials. Right, right, yeah. I know that How to Train Your Dragon I really, really liked. Yeah. I really, really liked this, uh, these movies too. I think they were fantastic. They had a lot of emotional complexity that I just did not expect from a movie called How to Train Your Dragon. And I really am looking forward to the third one to see how the trilogy closes off. And, Me too. And and we'll definitely talk about our impressions. When we see the, see the movie, we'll talk about our impressions of yeah. it. Um, Okay, and I think that's it for today. Um, That is the end of our first episode, and I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts or comments or questions or recommendations about what we should talk about for other episodes, please feel free to reach out to us at 
animationandbeyond at gmail.com. And yeah, and Ezra, what are we going to talk about for our next episode? Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. And why are we talking about Dr. Seuss? Because March 2nd is his, is his birthday. Exactly. So we're going to be talking about Dr. Seuss. That's going to be a lot of fun. And last but not least... We're going to close with a trivia question from Ezra. So just to explain this a little bit, Ezra knows a lot of cool, fun facts about movies, animation. And tech stuff. And and tech stuff. And gadgets. Mm -hmm. So Ezra will ask a question, and I, as well as you, the listeners, will have a chance to answer it. At the beginning of our next episode. So Ezra, what is our trivia question for this episode? What animated Disney film have the working title King of the Jungle? Fantastic. Well, let us know your thoughts and we look forward to chatting about Dr. Seuss with all of you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.